Ultimately, my goal with Coinos is to make Bitcoin uh, have like a super simple user interface for normies to be able to come on and not have to understand how things are working under the hood and just get to being able to do payments <laughs> and yeah. uh, not have to do any kind of setup or um, yeah configuration or anything. Just get on the website, make your account, and you're good to go. And I'm trying to abstract away all the complexity that does come with Bitcoin and these other layers to hide that from people so that they don't have to understand how it all works, but it just works. What is up? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. We have got Adam and Cole from, you said CoinOS. Is that is that how you say it? Because I've been saying CoinOS like it's like an operating system. Is it CoinOS? <laughs> I, I was calling it CoinOS for a while. I've kind of switched over to calling it CoinOS now. It's just a little bit easier Coin-os? to say. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, we got Adam and Cole from CoinOS. And um, uh, this, is, this is funny because I uh, used it right when it very very first came out when in the classic or the 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 beta or whatever whatever y'all call it now i think it's classic coinos um and uh and it was funny because like the big reason i used it was that and and this is something that i talk about a lot on the show was that i think we're going to end up in this place where all of the layers of bitcoin end up operating as if they are one thing and uh, and that was like the first, that was actually how I used, uh, uh, what was, what's the, wa- the wallet, aqua wallet, um, with liquid when, for one of the first times Marine. Thank you. Thank you. Marine. Um, is, uh, there's an aqua just, wallet too. Yeah. There's Marina and aqua. I think it's Marina. I don't know. I have them both. I can't I, remember I which it, one. I had it wrong too. I've had to I've had to open them up. Um, <laughs> I'll have to open them up and figure out which one my liquid is in my liquid BTC. <laughs> but um, I used Coinos because it was I mean it was the quickest way to get on and off liquid, and I didn't even know at the time how to get on and off. Like I think there was one like coin swap service or something, and it was you guys, and it was it was Coinos. Um, and so like that was that was like a big thing to like bounce back and forth. Um, and uh, and so I was. I was interested. I have it saved in my bookmarks. And now you guys have, turns out you guys have been building a lot in the meantime and expanding this into something, uh, something a little bit bigger. So uh, first, I want you guys to uh, introduce yourselves for the audience, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, we'll start, we'll go down my, my direction. We'll start with Adam. What is up, man? Welcome to Bitcoin Audible. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, I guess I got into Bitcoin in 2011, 2012. And oh man, back in my day. Yeah. Hell yeah. Class yeah. of 2011, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I bought my first Bitcoin for five bucks over PayPal on the Bitcoin OTC IRC channel. Um, yes. yes. Got hooked pretty quick. I was going down through Bitcoin talk forums and the Bitcoin wiki and uh, just kind of came at it as a skeptic and, uh, you know, had all my questions answered by people who had already thought about all my 
objections or concerns and sort of answered them. And I was already interested in open source and finance a bit, so I was kind of primed to get into it. And uh, yeah, once I kind of convinced myself that it was going to work and we were going to have this sound money system uh, for the world, I wanted to go and spread the good news and get more people uh, on board, get more people using it. So the first thing I built was just like a one page, uh, I call it just like a widget or a price calculator. So you just put in your Bitcoin address, and it could have been from any wallet. It was just like a watch only kind of thing. So people would have an address from somewhere and they put it into this page. And anytime you got a transaction there, it would uh, notify you and, and record what the price was at the time of the transaction in fiat. So it was using a some kind of exchange rate API at the time and recording if you got a $5 into your address, it would you know, record that for you so you'd have that history. And uh, we started getting merchants in Vancouver to accept Bitcoin payments using that. So you'd go in, they'd bring up this web page, they'd put in whatever the sale price is, $5 for a coffee or something. It would tell you what you owe in Bitcoin and give you a QR code to pay. And you'd send the payment and it would just go to their address. And it was all on chain. So we were doing zero confirmation payments back then. Uh, the merchant would just get a notification. Yeah, you received some Bitcoin and hopefully it's going to confirm soon. Um, because there was no like, uh, you know, blocks weren't full and people weren't really having to pay fees back then or much of We were fee. real spoiled. We were so spoiled. Yeah. We had no, no idea how good we had it. <laughs> So we we're just doing like retail payments with on-chain Bitcoin. Um, eventually, that stopped working when the fee market developed and blocks started filling up. So we set it aside for a while, and then when Lightning came around, I picked it up again, integrated Lightning, figured out how to um, run. Kind of a you know, it went from being a watch-only or non-custodial wallet, on-chain wallet, to becoming a custodial Lightning wallet at that point. Uh, but it does actually both Lightning and on-chain still. So, And then I added Liquid, um, yeah, I guess 2020 or something like that. Um, so it became Lightning, on-chain, and Liquid, and you have a unified balance for all of them. So you deposit you know, over on chain, let's say, and then it would allow you to withdraw liquid Bitcoin to a liquid address. And uh, I was just kind of playing around with liquid to learn it. And, you know, we let people issue tokens and send different liquid assets around. And I do want to get that added back in. So after that, I mean, that's the classic version that you mentioned, which is still online if you go to classic.coinos.io. But uh, in our latest version, we only do on-chain and Lightning, and we dropped support for Liquid for now just because I haven't had time to add it back in since doing this latest rewrite, but it's on the roadmap. Sweet. Uh, did you did you two, like, like, how big is the team? Who who built this? Who's the the main dev? Like, how did how did y'all put this team together? And how long have y'all been working on this uh, uh, as a as a group? 
Uh, yeah, I'm the main dev. I started it. I'm the, the founder and I hired Cole. He's been doing business development and sales and marketing and helping with social media and just cold calling businesses and things, uh, I guess almost for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I incorporated as a company, I think in 2020. So as an actual, you know, corporation, we're only a few years old, but the project itself, it's an open source wallet too. I should mention that like, um, it's all available on GitHub. So if people want to run their own, you know, Coinos instance or just use it as a front end to their, to your own lightning node or your own Bitcoin node, um, it's all free and open source. And that's been going since about 2012 when I first made that initial that you know, widget, yeah. but it's, you know, I've rewritten it and it's evolved mm-hmm. since then. But that's yeah, the crazy. latest version that you see now when you go to the website um, is probably, yeah, maybe a year and a half or so. We had it all redesigned and then I rewrote both the back end and the front end um, pretty much from scratch. So yeah, that version that you'll see now is, is just a couple of years old. Gotcha. Nice. Cole, tell me about yourself. Uh, how'd you get in? How'd you get into all this? What, what, yeah. how'd you get yeah. broke in? <laughs> I've been in Bitcoin since 2015. I did, I've got into mining myself and just investing heavier and heavier into it as the years go on. We're upcoming, we're coming up to my third bull run. I've been a part of two bull cycles myself. So as I got into mining, got more into the investing side of it, learning more about the tech of it, I came across Lightning and then I met Adam at one of the events in Vancouver. We hit it off and then I became very passionate about Lightning Network and I realized the value of it and how much it can help and change the current money structure that businesses use to transact. And with the mining aspect, we uh, when I've realized that it can be not just profitable, but it's also a great help to the proof of work aspect of Bitcoin, um, that that made me believe in Bitcoin as a whole quite, quite a bit, the proof of work aspect. Understanding that Bitcoin runs on all of the miners and the nodes around the world, and no one can actually shut off Bitcoin. Those kinds of things attract me. The supply cap, obviously, as well, the 21 million, those, those types of things attracted me to Bitcoin and made me believe in it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The, um, it's funny. The, the money element was such a big thing for me just because I was kind of going down the economics rabbit hole at the time that I found Bitcoin. And, uh, we were kind of on the Austrian train after after much beating our heads against Keynesianism and MMT and like all these different theories. And like, it was just one contradiction after another. And we just kept running into new roadblocks as we tried to sort out what was what. And it was like this perfect confluence of what we were, what we were digging into, like right when we found Bitcoin. So I was like overnight, my, both my brother and I, like my brother was taking economics, which is kind of what was keeping us on that topic. Um, and uh, uh, and we just like went barreling down the rabbit hole. Like, and I and I think now too, like in hindsight, like I wish I had been a developer. I wish I had, had gone the computer route um, earlier, um, just because.
so much. I mean, just like just like Adam, like what you did when you built the very first version of this in 2012, like the amount of both potential, but just like problems to be solved early on. You know, like I, I know you remember the 2011, 2012 days, like just nothing was there. And it's so crazy how much things have changed. You know, that 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 might be a good thing to to cover because Cole, you got into this in 2015. Adam, you got into this in 2011, uh, uh, way back when. What do you think are the biggest changes that you have seen in kind of your day to day, how how you think about your interaction with Bitcoin, like your touch points, and then also the thing that you would have expected back then to have been different that isn't that is still a problem or still has just a lot of road to cover. Um, yeah, I guess back then I, uh, I was a little naive thinking that uh, the zero conf stuff is going to be okay. And I didn't really <laughs> see lightning developing as a thing or be, or being a necessity. So um, when the fees did start going up in like 2017 and uh you know, hit like, I don't know, for a while, I think I was paying $20 to get a transaction through at some point. Yeah, I got rough. Um, I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to scale. <laughs> um, yeah. We're not going to be able to onboard all the merchants and have all this commerce done on Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, back in 2012, 2013, I was thinking, you know, we might be able to. <laughs> so that was a wake up call. And, uh, I'm glad Lightning's come around. It's really helped with that. Um, it does have issues. I don't know if if Lightning in its current incarnation could really scale, uh, you know, to the next level of onboarding the next hundred million or or billion Bitcoiners and bringing on a ton of merchants and really trying to compete on that retail payments. Um, so, yeah, we may have some more work to do there and we may need like side chains and arc and these, you know, future uh, scaling solutions to come around and, and mature a bit more before we're really ready to take on a lot more. But day to day, I'm I'm like pretty happy to see that there are uh, merchants starting to take Bitcoin more frequently. So. Here we can walk into a, a number of restaurants and coffee shops and I can go get my hair cut for Bitcoin and it is starting to develop a bit. So that's something that ha hasn't existed until just recently. We've been, uh, you know, using Bitcoin to buy things online or you cash it out and then go and spend fiat at places. So you could live off Bitcoin if you have a prepaid card or you're buying gift cards or you're just you know, selling it for cash periodically. But now you can truly go in and just directly pay Bitcoin, the merchants getting Bitcoin. And we're starting to see a little bit of the circular economy growing. So um, that's a little bit, you know, uh, a new thing. So it's exciting to see that. Yeah, it's funny. That was a that was a long timeline. Um, like I, I definitely was way ahead of myself in that same way. Um, just wondering if we were like kind of right around the corner from that. And I think actually, uh, there's a really great point that Parker Lewis made in his talk at BitBlockBoom about the idea that accepting 
merchants accepting Bitcoin, there's a there's kind of a form of path dependence on you know because you have that that bootstrap problem or that uh the, the chicken and egg problem, right? The merchants will only accept it if there's a lot of customers who have it, and customers will only have it and want to use it if merchants accept it, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but he talks about how like you know accepting Bitcoin is a balance sheet decision, and like Coinos doesn't. Like you guys are completely focused on Bitcoin and Lightning right right now, right? You're not looking for like a service that does credit cards and debit cards, or is, is that in the pipeline? Or are you just we're 100% focused Bitcoin? No, yeah, we're 100% Bitcoin. I did consider becoming like a, a fiat on ramp off ramp, mm -hmm. but just had too many issues here in Canada getting banked for that. Yeah, uh, the banks yeah, are really hostile against that. So. Um, and then competing on credit cards and stuff, that's just a whole other ball game of, you know, there's so much fraud and chargebacks and issues with dealing with the, the gatekeepers there that, yeah. uh, not, just not, not something I want to dabble in. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus it's like, it's a transition, right? Like I, <clears throat> I don't want to spend a lot of effort supporting all these fiat rails when, Ultimately, the goal is to kill fiat. So <laughs> yeah. might as well just get Bitcoin working as well as we can. And then that stuff will all go away one day, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> just, you just wait for that, wait for it to slowly trickle, tr trickle out and then trickle in, trickle into Bitcoin. Um, slowly but surely. <laughs> um, uh, Cole, uh, what, you know, you came into this in 2015. So like the block size war was like really kind of kicking into gear. Um, so what's your, what's your take on where the biggest change has occurred and where you think the biggest, the, the largest amount of roads still needs to be covered? Uh, yeah. In regards to the growth of the Bitcoin adoption as a whole. That's, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. So the block war, the block wars, I got in, yeah, a couple years before the block wars were at their peak when Bitcoin Cash, aka a failed project today, um, it, it reached its all time high. And everyone was talking about that. A lot of people were like, well, Bitcoin Cash is going to take over Bitcoin. It's going to take over Bitcoin. Ethereum is going to flip Bitcoin. And I didn't buy into any of that at the time. I did find other coins at the time before I understood the value of Bitcoin, right? So this is when I was like a new investor, like into the whole space, right? And I mm -hmm. lost a lot of money in, in scam coins. Um, and it made, it helped force me to look at the value of Bitcoin and look at why there is no second best. I was trying to find that second best. And, and I just, I just, I like how Michael Saylor, <laughs> when Michael Saylor on online, he's like, the, the, the news anchor asks him, so what's the second best coin? He's like, there is no second best. And he says it with so much conviction, right? And then they actually asked him like, what dog coin was better than the other one? And he's, and he's, he's like, come on guys. Like, and he's telling the, the anchor or the, the radio host this, Sentence. He's like, come on, guys, like, don't waste my time here. I'm not going to talk about what dog coin is better than the other dog coin. So long story short, yeah, I mean, uh, around the block size wars is when I realized that Bitcoin is, is the king, uh, the only king. There's no prince, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, in regards to how I think that um, Bitcoin can grow and, and what 
part of the road still needs to grow. I would say Lightning adoption has some room to grow. And yes, with Lightning, we are, I see the value in Lightning and how Lightning Network doesn't really have a limit on how many transactions per second you can do. We, it can do a million transactions a second. But the Visa and MasterCard can only do 1,700 transactions a second. So the size and the scale, the scalability and the potential scale that Lightning can grow to is massive. And I see how big it is. It does have a lot of room to grow. I totally get it. I totally admit that. Um, what, what, I, what I don't like is certain skeptics that say Lightning doesn't work. That's too bold of a statement to say at this time. Maybe when Lightning was brand new, they could say that. But nowadays, Lightning is working. Me and Adam and many other people in Vancouver and other very big cities are using Lightning to pay for goods and services. Not just at one kind of business, like a cafe, but at other kind of restaurants. Rental car companies, uh, massage therapists, uh, like all kinds of, of different uh, barbers, like Adam was saying, a boat repair business, a glass shop, like the, the variety of different businesses that are transacting in Lightning shows me the potential and, and how much Lightning can scale. And I'm very grateful to, to be a part of, of growing that space. And that's part of where my, my passion comes from is because I see the, the potential of it. The Lightning Network capacity is at an all-time high now. Um, if it's not all-time high right now, that means it, it was like a week ago or a few weeks ago. I know it's big. And the Bitcoin hash rate is an all-time high. Like Bitcoin was hitting... Bitcoin's hash rate was hitting an all-time high even during the lows. Like even even yeah. like even yeah. when the FTX thing happened in, in November, Bitcoin was hash rate was freaking high still. Mm -hmm. So this just goes to show how strong the network is. The amount of holders in Bitcoin, I believe that's at an all-time high now. If it's not all-time high, it's very high. The the amount of Bitcoin holders is uh, people not selling is growing massively. Uh, I'm uh, I'm one of them for a few of my wallets anyways. Since I get paid in Bitcoin, I have to spend some of my Bitcoin sometimes, but my actual hodl bags, I don't have a reason to sell. And and I'm a holder in that in those regards. Yeah. This show is brought to you by the Cold Card Hardware Wallet. My favorite setup, which I know I talk about a lot, is the Nunchuck Wallet on mobile that just connects directly to or just talks NFC whenever I need to sign. The Nunchuck does not hold my keys. It is securely on my cold card, not connected to the internet, not vulnerable to a phishing email or any malware or anything like that. If I ever need to send a transaction, I just create the transaction on my Nunchuck wallet and I tap it to my cold card. I hit sign, I tap it again, and then off it goes. There is no easier interface and way of interacting that grants a higher level of security, in my opinion, than that right there. It's genuinely incredible to me that we even have this capability in the Bitcoin space. And CoinKite has just made an entire suite of fascinating security and just fun Bitcoin devices and hardware products like the block clock. Just connect it to your node and have it show the, the Bitcoin price, have it show the block height, just right there on your desk in this really cool package. If you haven't checked out what they have to offer, you definitely need to. And don't, when you go over there, do not forget that I have a 9% discount code. Bitcoin Audible, all one word, gets you 9% off. And you can go through the link in the show notes or just remember the discount code, which is not hard. It's just the name of the show. 
Um, uh, you can go through the link in the show notes to go right there, or just go to the store, browse around, see what you want, get yourself a solid hardware wallet, experience the tap to send with a cold card hardware wallet. It is, it's just kind of magical. And uh, get notified for the Q1. I'm really stoked about my my Cypherpunk BlackBerry, the new model that's going to be coming out. So check that out as well. Um, and uh, yeah, don't forget, 9% off. The link is right in the show notes. Go check them out. Yeah, I think um, I think it's the the amount of supply that has been both that is removed from exchanges, the the percent that is not on the exchanges, and then also the um, the percent of the uh, outstanding supply that has not moved in over a year, which is you know suggesting like a long term position. Is both of those have hit like all time highs, um, or I guess in the first example it would be all time low, so to speak. Um, but like that's pretty crazy to think that you know we've been we've been through the a serious trough in a bear market, and it's almost like outside of the price, I can't think of a single like fundamental network measurement or. Um, uh, security measurement or anything like that that has actually declined at all with the price. It has done nothing but really steadily grow throughout. I mean, like through that same two year period, um, the uh, the it was the I think it was the river the river lightning report, not the arc. Our arc has a ongoing lightning report, but I think it was the river one that was talking about how lightning the volume of lightning payments have gone up twelve hundred and twelve percent in that same period. So like. You know, anybody looking at the price chart, like they're seeing the one metric, the, the one metric that looks bad. And it is purely a giant deleveraging event. And the foundation of this thing has been exploding, um, has been like gaining really. And the, and the idea that I still just don't. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, you're just stuck over in crypto and, you know, it's easy to just only have the tidbits that filter through from Twitter or whatever crap it is. But I just can't, I just, I am shocked that there are still people out here that who don't, who think lightning doesn't work. Like I do. Yeah. I, had, I, I mean, I, I don't, I do I, one on chain payment a, a, a month, maybe <laughs> a month. That's awesome. And I do like 50 lightning a day. Easy. Um, when Adams witnessed me, defend the lightning network as hard as I can, as, as enthusiastic as I can to naysayers, um, people who are still full uh, Bitcoin believers, but they're naysayers with, with the, they're not believers of the network. And, and I am one of the first people to step up to the plate and just knock down their criticisms and, and defend it. You know, Adams sat in there and a couple of times, sometimes it can get a little bit heated and then I, and then I back off a little bit, but, but we, we don't get to the point where there's fists, but I do back up and defend the lightning network as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, uh, let's talk about CoinOS since we're lightning and Bitcoin here as the focus on CoinOS. And, uh, and also, actually, I, I want to hit this first just because this is something I don't get to talk to people much about. And it's something that's interested me. And I've been surprised that liquid adoption has been so slow on the uptake um, because I, I actually think it's a pretty important part of this thing. And I wonder if it might just be the difficulty of on and off ramping into liquid 
And I'm curious, Adam, what did you do? How did you set up the on and off ramp with liquid? Because I actually kind of went digging. I didn't, I didn't really take the time that it needed to because I mean, I just was rough on time, but I could not find a good way to get on and off. I mean, that's literally why I landed on CoinOS is because you guys were the only easy way to get in and out of liquid with, I don't know, I guess there might've been a fee or a, a spread of some sort just for swapping. I have no idea, but it was, it was little enough that I didn't even think about it. You know, I was just, I was just putting it into the wallet and then taking it out with whatever method that I wanted to. Um, so how the hell, how the hell did you do that? What was, <laughs> what's the mechanism to swap in and out of uh, liquid for you guys? Yeah, I think there was a sideshift.ai was one of the like early liquid exchanges. And mm -hmm. um, there's now sideswap.io, which is still going. Okay. I think they charge 0.1% for their fee. Um, when you were probably using CoinOS, I wasn't charging any fee at all. So, it, you know, if you put in one Bitcoin on chain, you could take out one Bitcoin of liquid. And I wasn't taking any cut on that. Now I've introduced 0.1% as well. So if you're converting either way, it's 0.1%. Um, gotcha. And the way that <clears throat> I set it up is I can do, uh, anyone can, can pig into liquid, right? So if you download the, you know, elements code and run your own liquid node, which is exactly the same as running a Bitcoin node. Liquid is a fork of Bitcoin. If you've run Bitcoin, it's, you know, you, you can run liquid. It has the same CLI. So if you're running, you know, commands, oh, wow. know like get, uh, you know, get balance or get raw transaction, create raw transaction and stuff, it all works the same as Bitcoin, except they've added uh, assets. So besides just liquid Bitcoin, there's also liquid assets, which anyone can create. And there's confidential transactions. So you can blind your liquid transactions so that on chain, people can't see what amounts you're sending. Um, but yeah, to get liquid Bitcoin, you don't have to go through a third party like CoinOS or SideSwap or anything. You can download elements and you can create a pagan transaction, which will give you a on-chain Bitcoin address for you to deposit to. You'll send whatever amount of Bitcoin you want there. Maybe you send $100 worth of Bitcoin. And after 100 blocks, they will, the Liquid Federation will mint or, you know, create a new $100 worth of Liquid Bitcoin and send it to your Liquid address that you provide as well from your node. So anyone can do that. And um, that's free. You just have to wait that 100 block time period. So it's about 24 hours or a little bit less. And uh, to peg out, um, it's also possible to do that, but that's like a whitelisted set of people that the Liquid board has given keys to, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I last year got my own key so I can peg out, uh, you know, I can take Liquid Bitcoin and send it to an address where they're going to, you know, destroy that Liquid Bitcoin and then give me back uh, the real Bitcoin that they were holding. So every liquid Bitcoin is like one-to-one -one backed by real Bitcoin that they're holding in basically a big multi-sig address, like an 11 out of 15 multi-sig. And, um, you know, uh, other services that have these pig out keys, 
um, mm-hmm. they, they can do that on your behalf, right? So I could peg out for you and now, you know, I'm charging 0.1% for that. Um, but, you know, in the past, I was using uh, Bitfinex to peg out before I had my own peg out key. So you could deposit Bitcoin with them and then, or you could deposit liquid Bitcoin with them into your Bitfinex account and then withdraw on-chain Bitcoin. They didn't charge a percent, but they did have like a, a kind of high on-chain withdrawal fee. So it only made sense to do that when you're doing like a larger volume. Mm-hmm. So with CoinOS, that's what I was kind of doing was I was uh, kind of batching transactions for people, right? Like a bunch of people might want to pig out liquid. I would allow them to do that for free. And then once in a while, when it got to be like my uh, on-chain liquidity was running low and I needed to get more liquid Bitcoin or vice versa, I would go to Bitfinex and use them to do the pig out. Um, I don't know. Does gotcha. that make sense? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just ended up kind of like offloading a lot of the cost by just batching it on on your side of things, just taking taking the delay on it. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Bitfinex, I didn't even realize that that kind of makes sense, though, that you'd be able to do that like with an exchange with Bitfinex specifically. Um, I didn't realize they took liquid or like you could hold a liquid balance with them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few exchanges that support liquid. Not enough. Yeah, there should be more. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, I agree with you. Like, Liquid's still kind of uh, underrated, and um, as a scaling solution, it's it's pretty neat, right? Like, you have this uh, side chain that's fully backed by real Bitcoin. It's not introducing some other shitcoin token, and it allows you to do cheaper, faster transactions. Um, the security model isn't quite as you know good as regular on-chain Bitcoin, but it's pretty good. It's better than trusting a single custodian like Coinbase or something. And um, it allows you to have confidential transactions, do tokens. So ideally, like we get a side chain that has a trustless two-way peg that doesn't have to have a federated model where you like with Liquid, you're kind of trusting the liquid federation or the functionaries that run the network mm-hmm. not to rug pull. I mean, they don't have a huge incentive to do that. And they're all mutually distrusting independent entities that were selected to run the network. So I don't think they're going to collude and rug everyone. Um, but, you know, you're not as secure against that as you are with holding your own keys on, like fully on chain. Yeah. But the liquid trade-offs too are interesting versus Lightning, for instance, because it does work more like on-chain Bitcoin. Um, mm. You can like cold store it, for instance. Like you don't have to run your liquid node twenty-four uh, seven to watch for uh, justice transactions or anything like you do with Lightning. With Liquid, you can just generate a key offline, have it in cold storage or hardware wallet. And you can send a ton of Bitcoin there and have it, you know, just sitting in a paper wallet or something. And you know that even in the future, if Bitcoin is super expensive to use and it's like $100 to, uh, you know, move something out of cold storage, 
on liquid, it's probably going to still be cheaper because it's not being used as much. The fees are a lot lower uh, by virtue of being a side chain. So yeah. I think it does, have, it does play a part in scaling Bitcoin. And uh, the team that built Liquid too is like the same people that are working on core, trying to introduce, you know, better cryptography and scaling solutions to Bitcoin. So Liquid is kind of like a testing ground for newer experimental opcodes and uh, features that might be a, a benefit to Bitcoin down the road. It's like almost like a live testnet with real money sort of thing where yeah. people can play around and experiment with things without having to risk screwing up the main chain. Yeah. Basically an economically incentivized test net, which is what Litecoin I feel like was for, for a long time. And during the block size war, you know, they did Segwit and, you know, as a, as a, as a proof or whatever that, um, a bunch of the, bunch of the big blockers and Bcashers or whatever were constantly saying like, oh, Segwit is anyone can spend and you can steal coins and it's like unsecure. It's a backdoor. They're trying to Trojan horse the Bitcoin network. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll do it on Lightning, Light, uh, do it on Litecoin. Yeah. And put a whole bunch of stuff in this bounty. Come on, take it. Let's let's see what happens. And I thought that was that. It's funny because Liquid is actually in a place to kind of serve that role. And, and I think uh, Adam Back talks about it, it hasn't. It's not implemented yet, but um, that they're going to be implementing simplicity on top of Liquid, which is really they, they really. They do have a testnet for it. They have already. a testnet for it. Okay, yeah. sweet. Wow. Wow. No, I'm, it's funny because simplicity would be one of those things. It's such a big change to Bitcoin um, if, if it ever did get implemented. But it's one of those things where there's so much you can do with it. And it's also designed in such a way that the attack surface is extremely easy to see or like, like it's visible, you know, like, like there's, there's not a whole lot that's obscured. Like you can tell what the computational risk is going to be in any, in anything that you're doing. So it always, it always interests me. Um, and I think Adam back calls it this, or somebody, somebody called it, this is that simplicity could potentially be the last soft fork that Bitcoin would ever need. And, uh, and it would be, fascinating to watch that especially if there's already a test net to see that unfold on liquid and get to use it and you know kind of get it to, get to beat it to death for a couple of years and maybe potentially see that that provenance so to speak of yes okay let's let's put this on bitcoin because this because of all the things that we can actually do with this um but yeah liquid has always been fascinating to me and i feel like it's it's really underrated and underused um but you know, that leads me to kind of thinking about how this ecosystem is evolving, because we've talked about, obviously, Lightning is, I kind of think of Lightning, aside from the fact that there's a lot of really great user-facing tools with it, um, I still kind of think on a long enough timeline, when you look five years out, 10 years out, like, let's let's go two more cycles, is that Lightning is largely going to be the settlement layer between these other sorts of setups, like Fediment, liquid, uh, the the cashew, uh, eCash sort of tokens, um, uh, the distributed custodial model, like because like one of the most beautiful things, like fascinating things that I think is just completely neglected in the idea of Bitcoin is the fact that you can have distributed custodians. Is what a phenomenal thing that is. That there's like 
that's not even conceptually possible in the fiat space. You can't do that with like a digital spreadsheet that is just someone's permission. You know, like fiat is permission. It's just not possible to have the idea of multi-sig is absurd. Um, yeah. And so in that context, in the, the context of like thinking where things are going on five to ten, 10 years out, where do you think Coinos plays their role? Are you are you intending to be uh, or hoping to be a, a major merchant provider and like treating a lot of these second layers as a single unit, as just kind of like speaking the Bitcoin stack, so to speak? Um, and do you see it going a certain way? Like, do you have dreams of, okay, we're going to do a federation or um, we're going to have, you know, privacy, like, like privacy from us built in? Like, like, how do you think about five to 10 years out for what this project is? Yeah, ultimately, my goal with Coinos is to make Bitcoin uh, have like a super simple user interface for normies to be able to come on and not have to understand how things are working under the hood and just get to being able to do payments and uh, not have to do any kind of setup or um, yeah, configuration or anything. Just get on the website make your account and you're good to go. And I'm trying to abstract away all the complexity that does come with Bitcoin and these other layers to hide that from people so that they don't have to understand how it all works, but it just works. And in the future, yeah, I'd like to have, you know, these other scaling solutions integrated so that we can keep the costs as low as possible and, um, yeah, have it be interoperable with other wallets. Um, but right now, Coinos is like, uh, it's sort of the Uncle Jim model, right? Like, I'm running a node as a custodian for a lot of people where um, when you sign up for an account, I'm the custodian. I could rug pull people, but you know, I've been around long enough. I've been in the space. People know me they know where I live. They know who I am. Um, I'm not going to do that. And it started off, I was very conservative with it, like just friends and family and I didn't want to hold money on behalf of too many other people. Now we've got like a merchant network with a few hundred merchants and it's starting to become like, yeah, I'm really, I have to be careful here because if I screw up, then people's payment systems are offline for the day and there's real world usage now. So I, I can't just go fiddling around with it as much. And uh, if I get hacked or owned, then there's real money on the line now, but I've been building up to this point over years where I've been, you know, the bugs have been getting sorted out. I've been hardening the server and uh, getting it to the point where I'm comfortable taking on more and more users. And now that mm. I've done that for myself, because it's open source, other people who want to be custodians and provide that kind of service can uh, take the code and do it, right? So just like how you would run Zeus or Spark or some of these other uh, front-end interfaces to like connect to your own Lightning node, I see Coinos as being another option for that with the additional kind of feature that besides just managing your own node and doing payments for yourself through your own node, you can open it up to allow other people 
to register accounts and use your node uh, with you being a custodian. So it's kind of like be your own bank software mm-hmm. where if you want to you know, take that on and you, you know, people are willing to trust you and you're willing to take on that responsibility, then you could be that uh, custodian for your local community or just for your family or whatever makes sense. Like that's why I say the uncle Jim kind of thing where um, you're giving people a super easy web interface where they don't need to set up their own node. They don't need to even figure out seed phrases and cold storage and stuff. They're just doing a username and password and you're, you're managing it all for them, but it's done in a way where it just works. Right. So it's, it's super simple for them. This episode is brought to you by the fold card. This is the debit card that gets you sat back on literally everything in your life. Actually got some boost back today on Starbucks and they have a ton of these now for uh, specific merchants like uh, Who. This is HU. This is actually a company that I've been a big fan of for a long time. I think it was like 2.5 or 3% back if I spend at Who online. They make like super clean chocolates and like little cookies and stuff that are all grain free, keto friendly, and they're absolutely delicious. I had no idea until I was just looking through the boost that they had added that on. I was like, oh my God, I am so excited. Then of course, we also got our Whole Foods today. We got our groceries. And because Whole Foods takes Amazon gift cards, we got 2.5% back on our groceries. And that's literally just the gift cards and the boosts. The card, the debit card, which is my main card, I just I swipe it and I get sats. I just get sats all the time. And I get spins so that I can win free sats also. I get daily spins. Which on the spin wheel, you can literally win up to a full Bitcoin. Like people have genuinely won an entire Bitcoin, 100 million sats, just from the spin wheel, just from using the fold card. And understand, I have used this to replace a boring, crappy, I hate to deal with it, normal fiat bank. This has replaced that, and now it pays me sats all the time. I've gotten a quarter of a Bitcoin. Again, I did not pay, I did not buy, I did not like stack ongoing with like a pre-purchase plan a quarter of a Bitcoin. I got a quarter of a Bitcoin back with all of the purchases that I normally make in fiat by getting 1%, 2%, 3% back on just normal things that I do. So I've spent $100, I got like two bucks in Bitcoin. This is unbeatable when it comes to a low barrier way to stack enormous amounts of sats over time. Check them out. Go to bitcoinaudible.com slash fold. That is my special link that will also give you like 100,000 free sats just for checking it out, just for trying it. Again, bitcoinaudible.com slash fold. It's right there in the show notes, so it'll be really easy to find. Check it out. You said you've brought on like uh, 100 merchants or so, some, somewhere in that number. Are they, is that local? Is that like you've just done this in the Vancouver area? Or have you just kind of cast a wide net here? I... You want to cover that, Cole? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so there's yeah, 25 uh, on average in Vancouver, greater Vancouver area. And we have 330 businesses, over 330 businesses worldwide. Probably 340 okay. if we were to actually count. But last time I counted a few weeks ago, it was 330. The biggest Bitcoin community that is using us is Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul. 
which is near, okay. uh, it's in Relante, which is near the capital Sao Paulo. And there's even a bunch in Sao Paulo that are using us too, and farther up the coast, even from Sao Paulo in Brazil. So it is spreading like the plague. Um, it's, uh, we, we really like how, but, but, but in this case, it's a good kind of play, I guess. Um, we, we have businesses in Miami, uh, businesses in Central America, you know, El Salvador, uh, Nicaragua, businesses in Eastern Canada. We're only looking to keep growing. And the best thing is that anybody can use us if Bitcoin is legal in their country, which is 99% of countries. It's legal. Yeah. So so not North Korea. You cannot use Coinos in North Korea. <laughs> Unless you have a VPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, actually, um, just because the last few people I've talked with uh, in, you know, kind of like trying to target services and, you know, the financial side of things, how the hell do regulations fit in? And I don't know, I don't know kind of what the environment is in Canada because, you know, FinCEN and things that are happening in the U S are trying so desperately to just make it illegal to do this without just a, a boatload, like just a horseshit le level of reporting for no reason. Um, like what are, you know, what's, what are the challenges that you run into? Have you been able to like, all right is is it does it exist in this space where you can just kind of like not worry about that like what have you been running into the regulations are pretty stringent here too so i did register as a money service business with fintrack which is the canadian equivalent of fincen and i'm supposed to report if there's transactions over ten thousand dollars uh, suspicious transactions. I'm not supposed to serve customers from sanctioned countries. Suspicious transactions. <laughs> You're supposed to ask people know. where your funds come from. <laughs> know your customer, right? Mm -hmm. Over three thousand dollars a day. You're supposed to KYC people and stuff. Uh, we haven't implemented KYC on Coinos. We're kind of pushing on the fact that most of the transactions we do, and we're um, sort of selling Coinos as a payment processor for small mom and pop merchants mm -hmm. that are doing transactions on the order of, you know, a few dollars a day, a few hundred dollars a week sort of thing. So we haven't had any pushback from the regulators yet. I haven't been audited or told that I'm underreporting. Um, there could come a day if, if I get bigger and get on their radar that um, I'll have to get more serious about that. But yeah. right now we're just kind of going along until until I get a letter or a knock at the door or something that um, I have to up my uh, you know customer uh, checking and all that. So, um, but that's why my goal is not not to build this as a business for me, but to build it as an open source project where someone else mm -hmm. can take up the the torch and run it in another jurisdiction where they're maybe not uh, gonna get hit with a hammer as hard as we may here in North America if someone's living in El Salvador or some other haven where they might um, let you run the server there and be a custodian. Um, my goal with this is to build the software so that anyone can do it themselves, anyone can be their own bank and I'll do it myself until the 
point comes where I I can't anymore, and then I'll consider moving <laughs> to another jurisdiction <laughs> if I have to, or I may just have to fold up and call it a day. We'll, we'll see what what happens depending on you know what I'm told I need to do to comply. So yeah, wait and see. No, yeah, it's it's that's one of the really um, one of the things that I think is not greatly understood um or i think there's a poor mental picture for a lot of people and i really think the future of bitcoin in this space and the way to decentralize and basically get around this massive jurisdictional problem is kind of like you said like you know you build the software um to make a platform for other people to do this is that community bank model the idea of localizing, you know, it, it's really easy to find one really big, really successful business and get them to do whatever the hell you want because you can make them un an unsuccessful business with a couple of bangs of the gavel. Um, and, but it's a whole hell of a lot harder if there's 10,000 of them and they're all serving 300 customers, 500 customers, you know, individually, like all of them are basically invisible. It's, it, it would be a nightmare to try to track them all down. Um, and, uh, that's awesome that this is, you know, totally open source and can just be run, you know, like, like technically if, if I wanted to take this on, I could run it and do it for family and local businesses and farmers markets here and stuff like that's, that's really awesome. Um, <clears throat> on that note, what's your monetization model? Like, uh, how are, you know, you bringing coal on and, you know, trying to expand this project. What's, uh. How do you guys? How do you guys bring in capital? What's the What's the plan there? Uh, right now, I, I'm relying on number go up technology to keep paying <laughs> for this. Um, so, really, just trying to spread adoption and pump my bags. But uh, I think there's potential to monetize the platform by adding like paid features. So, we're starting to add a little bit of uh, social stuff with Noster, like people. Nice. Coinos is going to become a Nostra client. Um, every oh. Coinos account will also be a Nostra account. Um, you'll be able to follow people on there and message people. And uh, having little things like, you know, having a, an orange check mark or different badges or <laughs> custom avatars yeah, and stuff yeah. where it's super easy. You just pay a few sats to get these bells and whistles. Uh, it's one way to monetize and also like advertising. So we have a merchant map or directory where we feature all the businesses that are using us. And I think as that grows, there's probably possibility to have like premium uh, spots for people to be featured yeah, um, yeah. or just to pay as to be featured as sponsors and things like that. So, yeah, I, I am planning to... Uh, start adding some monetization um, one day. But for now, uh, it's just free and open source. We do charge that 0.1% conversion fee. So if you're uh, depositing, you know, lightning and then withdrawing on chain, we, we charge 0.1% for that. So, but that's pretty much covering my cost to keep the nodes balanced. I'm not really making profit off of that, but potentially we could you know, scale that up and do more volume there and make a little bit of money on that too. Mm -hmm. 
Where is the um is the map at the same website or is there like a maps.coinos or something like that? Uh yeah, it's on the homepage and it's linked to from the the menu. Oh, I see it down here at the bottom. Never mind, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, y'all do have like a chunk of stuff in Vancouver, man. Are these all like like you went brick and mortar, like kind of door to door and talking to people? Yeah. Jesus. How long have you been doing that to get to what's your <laughs> what's your day to day for that? Do you like go to one every single day or something? Like what's the Cole does a lot of it. Yeah. 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 It's um yeah, it's basically we I, I go to a lot of stores physically in person. A lot of storefronts that way, door knocking on different businesses, preferably in busy spots of the cities of the city. And also a lot of emailing as well. I've done cold calling, uh, cold emails, and door knocking in physical locations. Those are the three main main types. And there's a lot of pushback. I would say the rejection rate is more than 90%, which is expected for any new technology in the world, right? Even when countries are adopting a new fiat system, it takes like seven years for them to fully grasp it and get a hold of it. So it's expected that Bitcoin's going to take a little bit, a little bit more time for it to be as adopted as dollars. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, curious, Um, Cole specifically. What do you see? Because I've uh, I've been looking into doing a. We did like a focus group, and I kind of got out a map for a lightning series. Um, that, uh, and I'm actually trying to get sponsors for it just cause it's going to be an enormous amount of work. And, but I really think that lightning is just in a sweet spot right now that there's so much room for growth and it's reached that place, especially with tools like the, you know, the cash app, um, or blocks, uh, 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 LDK and then, um, the breeze SDK, uh, green light and these sorts of things where the infrastructure problem of lightning is being offloaded. Um, and then there's a lot of services kind of in your place or in your space as well that are just kind of like simplifying that experience that just making those things as easy as possible. Um, so, and, and basically in that context, like I was trying to figure out what the pain points were. So my question to you, Cole, is like, what's your, what's your framing? when you talk to people, what are like, do you, do you address, like, you know, ask them, you know, what troubles are they having? Like, how do you quote unquote sell Bitcoin to them? What works, what doesn't, and what do you find in common with the people that you do make a connection with that you realize, okay, no, this would, this would be a really, really important thing for them to have, or this would be really beneficial for them to have. That's a really good question. So the biggest, I would say the most effective part of onboarding a merchant and getting them to believe that it's a good idea for them to accept Bitcoin payments would be guaranteeing them that they will get increased sales. I say it flat out. I guarantee you that you will have more sales for your business if you accept Bitcoin and Lightning as a payment option. So we, we, okay. we say that point and then we also, we just let them know what does that look like? And I tell them we promote their business on all of our social medias. The whole that almost the whole Vancouver Bitcoin community will know about you and you'll get people knocking on your door to pay for goods and services mm-hmm. that way. 
that you would be relying. They, I tell them that you would be relying on the online marketing and it's a okay. growing technology, trending technology. It gives your business a cool factor. Depending on who it is I'm talking to, I, I might go that deep and say that it adds a cool factor, but it really depends on the case-by-case basis, who I'm talking to, what kind of person. And the people who I would say the easiest uh, bit or the businesses most, uh, the types of business owners that are the easiest to onboard with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. I would say are people who are freedom maximalists. People who, yeah, okay. yeah, people with those kinds of personalities, right? They they don't believe everything. That makes they sense. don't believe everything that they hear in, on the news. They don't believe that every single part of the news is true. Those kinds of people, open-minded people, in yeah. most cases. Yeah. How often do you find those people? I'm curious, um, like what what the share of the world is? Because I'm shocked. the 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 blue collar like people that I kind of talk to in my area, the guy that I'm doing, um, uh, I'm getting to do the porch and like the fence and stuff at my house. Um, the, the contractor, the dude that I buy, uh, meat from down at the uh, farmer's market or whatever. Like it's, it's funny. Like I'm not very, I'm not good at hiding what I think or like my honest opinion about stuff. And I'm usually very diplomatic about it. Like I'm not, I'm not like, mean or you know accusatory or anything like that but i'll just be like yeah i don't believe any of that shit i think i think the whole political game is just kind of a really shitty game show and uh and so like but like because of that a lot of people just kind of drop the facade and they it's it's hilarious some of the conversations that i have with people i went me and the the dude that's coming uh later this week to start with the, the porch and fence and stuff we had we had like a twenty minute conversation about how like neither one of us was ever going to touch a fucking CBDC, like the <laughs> like the central bank digital currency was just like no, nah, no, nah, not playing that game, and uh, so I'm I'm really curious what the volume or the percentage of those people like is it is it more than you would expect? Um, yeah, yeah, no, no I, I really like your your analogies that that, that was good. I haven't heard some of those ones before. <laughs> I'm gonna use those. Um, yeah, I would say I'm unimpressed with the amount of people who are, you know, freedom fighters and people who are open-minded thinkers. I would say there's not, based on my personal experience with all the businesses I've approached, the majority are, are close-minded. Mm-hmm. The majority do believe everything the news, like those kinds of people who do believe everything the news says. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I would say small percentage of people are, uh, more of the open-minded type i would say sadly (laughs) how do you change your approach how do you change your approach when you're talking to the normie brain and you're you're trying to get them to see the value of it and like do you ever talk about like there's no chargebacks here um you know lower fees like like what's what's something that seems to maybe actually trigger some sort of a response in that sort That's of a really good question. Uh, what am I saying to the skeptics essentially? And that is that it's mm-hmm. no credit card fees. And I always compare it to credit card fees. That's one of the biggest things that we do bring up. And okay. mm-hmm. the fact that it's just so easy to do because when people hear the word Bitcoin, no coiners, when they hear the word Bitcoin, oh, no, too complicated, too complicated. 
uh, immediately that's where their brain goes. And then they follow up with questions about accounting. They're very concerned about accounting and how difficult accounting is for it. But we made with CoinOS, not just with CoinOS, but we're one of the one of the wallets out there that makes it very easy, makes the accounting very easy. One button on your transaction screen exports your .csv file in an Excel spreadsheet for your accountant slash bookkeeper. And we, the way that we have it laid out is super easy to understand. Any accountant or bookkeeper with, with general basic knowledge, in, not even of crypto, but just basic knowledge of bookkeeping and taxes will understand how to read the Excel spreadsheet that gets exported from our transaction history. I bring up the points like those and because that, those are the biggest concerns, accounting and uh, fees. Yeah. And, and, and 24 seven support. We uh, offer that as well. And we offer them a printer as well. Cause we have, I don't know if you've done some research into some of our videos, but we have a, our own branded printer and it prints out a Bitcoin receipt when a customer goes into a store and scan, there we go. And it scans the QR code and we give a QR code to the business. They will either tape it on their front counter where their cashier is or whatever, wherever it is. The customer scans it, Bitcoin receipt comes out. Most merchants will document it as a cash transaction in their systems. We have a big coffee shop chain using us, two big coffee shop chains using us, only at one of their locations each, but it's still a good start. Cafe Artigiano, 25 locations in BC, I believe. So at one of their locations, they just have a CoinOS button on their terminal itself. So they just press the CoinOS button. Okay, yeah, sweet. To document it. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, so do what's the what's the general response that you guys get on like, oh, can I convert this to dollars or are they just kind of like keeping it on their balance sheet and just holding a just holding whatever comes in as Bitcoin as Bitcoin? Like what's what's the general uh strategy there that they take? The the majority um, yeah, of the business owners that Sorry, go ahead. Oh. Okay, sorry, just the delay, the delay on my end. Sorry about that. It's tripping me out too. Don't worry. <laughs> um, most of the business owners uh, that me and Adam know are hodling, actually, which is great news. They're not as quick to sell their Bitcoin right away as they were at the beginning because no coiners. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, based on the ones that we know of with me and Adam, a lot of them are hodling and a bunch of them have doubled their banks. They've doubled the value because a lot of them have been um, CoinOS merchants since last year. And by them not selling, they double their value. I mean, you know, we, we know it's not all about price, but hey, that's something good. <laughs> and then we tell people that, we tell other business owners that, that of course there's going to yeah. be short-term dips because they're all afraid of the price. So many of them are afraid of the price, right? And I tell them it's okay. It's okay. There's dips, but the long-term trajectory is up. You zoom out on the Bitcoin chart and it only goes up. And in addition to that, you have decentralized money that no one can take from you. That's permissionless. And we, we tell that um, to them about that. And then they become believers, a lot of them. But, but there is a bunch of them that do convert it immediately into their bank. We do recommend certain, um, we do recommend certain wallets that 
do link to your bank account that are regulated services in Canada. We also teach them about the person-to-person transactions they can do. They can do cash transactions in the Vancouver Bitcoin community because we are very good with that. Like I, I put a message in the Vancouver Bitcoin Telegram chat saying, hey, everybody, I want to maybe buy $100 or sell $100 of cash. It's so easy. Like someone DMs me right away, like within five minutes, like every time. So there's ways to do that. We also offer a sweeping function. Sweeping, you probably already know that, but for the viewers that don't know what sweeping is, it's where we would automatically set your account up to get e-transferred when it hits a certain threshold of whatever it is, 500 bucks, thousand dollars, you know. And Adam, you can touch on uh, some more details if you want to go all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a couple of merchants that have wanted to cash out, and I just offered to do it for them. So I'll take their Bitcoin, send them an e-transfer. In Canada, we've got these, uh, yeah, it's called e-transfer. It's a bank transfer, and they're pretty quick. So I'll just send them one of those, take their Bitcoin, and uh, they're happy. They've got Canadian dollars. But yeah, the majority, the vast majority are, are just hanging on to it because they're not doing a ton of sales in Bitcoin yet. Um, it's, it's not like it's really hurting their cash flow that they, they need the money to pay for their rent and stuff. It's just kind of a side thing that they're trying out and they're just kind of letting it ride. Most of them. Gotcha. And we, we tend to gloss over that too. Like they will ask about it. How do I get the money? How do I, you know, when does it settle? And we'll say like, yeah, we, we can cash you out if you need to. And then we move on to something else and they usually don't bring it up again um, unless they really need need the cash. And then I can kind of tell when, when they really just want the Canadian dollars. So with those ones, yeah, we'll follow yeah. up and, and help them out with it. This episode is brought to you by Nodeless.io. This is the way to get your friends who are pre-coiners, who are like kind of interested and want to be able to accept Bitcoin, but just don't want the headache. They don't want the setup issues and trying to figure out how to run a lightning node. They just want to be able to plug in an address and then have all of the web front end that they need for a charity, for their project, for their WooCommerce store, their online sales, all of these different things. And then just no obligation, no subscription, no KYC, just receive payment and it goes directly to their address, to their cold card, to their hardware wallet, whatever it is. This is why Nodeless exists, to lower that barrier as much as possible, to make it as easy as it can be to set this up and for people to join the Bitcoin economy. Listen, as someone who runs a node and who has BTC Pay Server and loves tinkering with a lot of these things, I am using Nodeless because it's just that easy. And that's also why I'm offering 10,000 free sats to anyone who goes, just sign up with email, whatever you want to do, really quick sign up. Again, no subscription, no obligation, no KYC. Just create an account, go to the create a donation page, make a donation page, and I will be your first donation. I will share it on Noster, share it on Twitter, and just tag me in it so that I see it in my notifications. And I will go there and I will throw you 10,000 sats. Then stay there, look around, check out the project. I think this is a really, really cool, it's still new, and I just think there's an, a massive amount of potential here. And I think a lot of you guys can benefit from it. So that's why, that's why I'm willing to throw you 10,000 sats just to go check it out. Uh, use my link specifically, by the way. That, that helps just so that they know that I sent you over there. 
You can find that in the show notes or just go to bitcoinaudible.com slash nodeless. Again, that is bitcoinaudible.com slash nodeless. Now, I've always thought, um, I always thought it would be, especially at that scale, like, like in doing like my own little Uncle Jim sort of service or whatever, I've always thought that like it would be a really interesting way to have a um, uh, basically quote unquote guarantee um, the price of Bitcoin that they get it at with a, with a time horizon. So I'm basically selling a service with like a built-in call option that I'm betting that, okay, let's say the price of Bitcoin does plummet in six months or a year. Well, whatever you got it at in four years, I will pay. If you, if you want me to, I will pay what price you got it at to get your Bitcoin. So if the if the Bitcoin price doubles or whatever, you can have, you know, you have your own little like stable sats thing, right? Is that, but you do it over like some sort of a time horizon, but I'm sure, I'm sure I would get a, a kick in the door from the SEC or something. I'm sure I'm breaking like a thousand laws like in, in, in doing that. But I've always, I've always wondered, it's like, okay, well, what about it's just a time horizon? Like you're always going to get your dollar value or your dollar price or whatever, but, but you have to, you have to, you have to sign to give your Bitcoin over to me in four years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so what's um, where in the in the building of this thing? So this is an open source platform, and uh, oh man, what were what were there was I just had a question and it has just slipped my mind. It was for you, Adam. Um, maybe actually I'll start with. What is what's the next steps like? Like, what's the next thing that y'all are aiming for with Coinos? And I'll see if I can't remember the other thing that I was trying to, I was trying to pinpoint. Yeah, basically, I just I want to get more adoption, so more people using Bitcoin, spending Bitcoin, uh, supporting the merchants, getting more merchants, and a couple features on my like higher up on my to do list are like I was mentioned the Nostra integration. And also getting liquid That's working again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, yeah, like keeping on top of scaling solutions and uh, lightning. I do <clears throat> want to, you know, have more sophisticated uh, channel management and node management stuff. Um, more like administrative features for people who do want to run their own instance mm-hmm. and also streamline that process. So, like, it is easier to just start up a VPS with a pruned node and a lightning node and CoinOS and it all runs in Docker and it's like a one-click kind of install script or something. So that's something I want to put together so that other people can uh, spin this up more easily and just kind of connect it to their own node and, and try it out that way without having to use our uh, instance of it as a custodial service but have more... Uh, self-custodial Coinos users, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my my question, actually, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned this specifically. Was what is your take on Noster and where things are going on this? I I I think of it personally as this kind of layer three of Bitcoin. Is that is it is really because of the resurgence? And the capital allocation towards this industry that I think is really spurring this whole punch, 
the hypercore, the Noster, like these alternative protocols that really actually seem to start like the ball is moving on those things. Like where is, where does this play or where does this sit in kind of your vision for the future? And what has made you say, okay, we're going to do Noster integration. Yeah, I think we need to decentralize all the things. So yeah. uh, get off these central platforms. Um, also decentralizing at the, you know, the physical network infrastructure layer is going to be important mm -hmm. too. So your ISP can't be a choke point or a censorship point where they start uh, monitoring your your browsing and and your transaction activity and stuff. So actually having mesh nets and ham radio satellites, all these kinds of things at the the physical layer um, so that we have a more decentralized internet in general that can't be turned off is going to be important. Um, but yeah, communications and, uh, you know, at the software level with decentralized social media and then communications at the, you know, the IT link uh, layer, <laughs> um, just so that the network can stay free and censorship resistant and, uh, you know, people can preserve their privacy and their sovereignty and all that good stuff that we, we all like that here. good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you, uh, are you pretty active on Noster or do y'all, do y'all hang out on Noster a lot? I don't think I'm following you guys. I, uh, I, I follow people there and I, I'm starting to go to it more than Twitter now, just when I feel like I need to go Dude, and same. scroll, yeah. but, uh, I, I don't post much. Um, I, I need to, I, I've never posted much on Twitter either. I'm just not much of a poster, but I should, uh, start using it more for that. Coinos. I found Coinos over here. Do you have, do you have a personal account up here? Just I do too. Adam, yeah. I don't know. yeah. What's what's your what what username would I be able to find you under? Uh, a salties A S O L T Y S T Y S. You said T Y S or T Y Z? T Y S. T Y S. Okay. Oh no, there it is. There it is. It was right there. Cole, are you on uh uh Noster too? Um. So I just operate the Coinos Noster account and the Twitter. Coinos account. Oh, you got to get your personal up there. You got to get your yeah. personal up there. Yeah, yeah, I do it. Yeah, I'll make I'll make sure I put everybody's pub keys in the uh, in the show notes so people can follow you. Now, I wanted to ask, um, uh, just because I mean I was talking about it, you know, just a little while ago that I talked to all the people that I work with at some point about Bitcoin and CBDCs and the direction of the world. So. I'm curious, especially Adam, you know, you're, you, you seem to have this mindset of, okay, well, it, eventually the hammer is going to come down and like, maybe I need to go to a different jurisdiction. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to shut down CoinOS as a business and just leave it as an open source platform for everybody else to use. Like you, you seem to be preparing for the shit to hit the fans so that everything still works and everybody can still use this tool. So what's your take on the the slow rotting of clown world and you know, what's your, what's your strategy? Do you have a, do you have a plan B and a plan C aside from Bitcoin? Um, like, you know, you have a secondary jurisdiction you are seriously considering. I'm really curious what everybody's exit strategy is on the, 
<laughs> the World War Three normie like narrative that is damn near unfolding right now. Yeah, it's something that I I haven't really done much on. I I don't have my passports and citizenships at enough places. I probably should have more. But um, I got a lot of family and roots here in Canada, so I think I'm going to hold out until things get really bad. Um, I I did get a boat a couple years ago, and I want to learn to (laughs) sail. Because then, uh, you know, you can be off sailing the seven seas. I think that would be the ultimate freedom. And then I can just cruise over to some freer country if I really need to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm trying to build a community here, get more people onto solar panels and ham radio and mesh nets and more people using Bitcoin, growing their own food, all these kinds of small acts of resistance that we can to try to build resiliency and community and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Doing my part here, but uh, I really hope I don't have to move and I don't get shut down. Ultimately, I think Bitcoin is tool number one. It's like yeah. de- defund the state and defund all the the bankers and the grifters of society and the faster that we spread Bitcoin adoption, um, the the quicker the state is going to fall. So then they won't have the resources to, you know, come and hammer us because uh, those, you know, mindless uh, zombie soldiers who just follow orders and, go and do what they're told. If they're not receiving a salary to go and do that, then they'll join us instead, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you can pay them to, you know, dig you a ditch or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I like I like that. And and that's largely my strategy is the kind of exit internally, right? Is to is to build your your kind of community citadel to protect each other locally and just kind of hide among the crowd, so to speak. Um, so Cole, do you have a similar mindset strategy? Do you have a boat? <laughs> yeah, so I've traveled to a lot of the Bitcoin communities in the Central America area. So that was um, mm-hmm. Panama, I mean, sorry, um, Bitcoin Lake in Guatemala, Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, Bitcoin Jungle in Costa Rica. And I've explored around Mexico. I've been to Panama as well. I almost moved to Panama literally in 2021. And I had all my whole lease agreement signed, everything. I had all my papers set up. Everything was all good. And then Canada changed the COVID laws. And I wasn't vaccinated. So I couldn't leave my own country. That put a major wrench in my plans at the time. So I do have a a similar mentality as Adam. I would want to stay here for a little bit longer until it gets really bad. Because I do have most of my family roots, 95% of my family is, is in Canada. And, but I mean, I travel often. Mm-hmm. I travel often. Even, you know, my, my base is Canada, but I'm away from my base pretty often, I would say. And I do have the mentality of being willing to move somewhere, the third world, but still nice at the same time. I don't want to be somewhere where I'm going to get sick all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 What's your biggest takeaway? You said you went to Guatemala, Bitcoin Beach. Like, what's your biggest takeaway with these communities that have like really embraced Bitcoin that 
other people should be doing and that seems to be some sort of common thread that everybody is doing that just works that just builds a solid foundation that's a really good question so guatemala i love what they're doing with using used cooking oil to mine bitcoin so that's where the bitcoin lake project comes from the name yeah yeah, lake atitlin is the name of the lake sorry name of the lake beautiful lake it's got three volcanoes around it and there is so many volcanoes there hike a volcano when you're there just a side tip not Bitcoin related, just a side tip. Um, and they have a lot of Bitcoin adoption <laughs> there in Guatemala. Um, every store where I was, Panahachal, they had a lot of adoption. It was rare you saw a business that didn't actually accept Bitcoin. So Guatemala has that great, great economy there, like great um, Bitcoin community there. Uh, El Salvador, the obvious, they're really good. They have a great community there. You walk down the street, every other person is into Bitcoin. A lot of businesses there are accepting Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, El Salvador is the most obvious one. Like I would say, you know, accepted as legal tender. They benefited a lot. El Salvador, I know for a fact, they benefited a lot from accepting, from having Bitcoin as legal tender. Not just from people spending Bitcoin there. I want to let people really understand that. Real estate. The value of property there in El Salvador has skyrocketed. They have some extremely nice subdivisions there that even really wealthy people from Canada and the U.S. would actually like to live because of how nice it is and luxurious, luxurious look looking certain neighborhoods are there. You'd be surprised. I didn't expect that. But when I went there, I saw that. So it is attractive enough to people that have money. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have a friend there that doubled his, his house doubled in value in one year so that's a good sign of the economy getting helped so their economy is improving more than just people spending their bitcoin there but the bitcoin uh the bitcoin as legal tender is the reason why that's happening so bukele is good for doing that um and then the other one is costa rica costa rica is growing they have a good tight-knit community there that is passionate about bitcoin and they're growing i would say that about them and Panama has a lot of Panama is not very tightly knit regarding uh, crypto adoption, but it is uh, I, it's a really good place to live as an expat, as a as someone who's into crypto and Bitcoin. Panama would be one of my favorite places, actually, out of those countries I mentioned in regards to safety and comfortability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panama was good because very developed. Gotcha. Um, and but it's but it doesn't have like a tight knit Bitcoin community there, in my opinion. Gotcha. Do y'all do a lot of reach out, uh, reach out, out, outreach to uh, the local meetups and stuff, like particularly with like the businesses that you work with and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, me and Adam, we host about approximately five meetups per month. We use the meetup app. The meetup app is great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. One a week, at least, sometimes wow. five a month, sometimes okay. six a month, depending on the time of the year. We've hosted six in, in one month before. And it's all through the meetup app at businesses that are using us to accept Bitcoin payments. And Adam, feel free to touch on it too. Yeah, Vancouver's got a really great meetup community. It's not just us. There's a few other organizers that are putting events on all the time. And we go around to the merchants. We bring people around to them. We uh, get the merchants involved, invite them out to join us at the meetup so they can get educated on Bitcoin. And yeah, it's, you know, there's stuff happening here all the time. So 
it helps with uh, showing people that there is this community and uh, like an economic force that is going to come around to your business and stuff because there is all these active groups and events going on. So that really helps. That's awesome. All right. Well, um, I don't want to take too much of you guys' times. I don't know, like, what are the ob obligations that you guys have? So I'll just kind of wrap this up with what else would you want to say? What What's your call to action for the people who are listening to this? And, you know, what, it, what do you think their next step should be to download and explore this themselves, use your service, et cetera, et cetera? Like, like what do you got? Um, yeah, I'd encourage people to sign up for an account with us just to get a feel of how easy it is. It's just a web wallet. You don't have to download or install anything. You just make a username at the website and you can start playing around with it. And then go out and talk to your local businesses, places that you go to, you shop at. Uh, if they know your face and they see you coming in paying fiat, then they're going to be receptive if you bring up the idea of taking Bitcoin. And uh, it's super easy to, to onboard a merchant. You just print out a QR code for them. You could even create an account on their behalf, give them a QR code and give them the, the login credentials to their account and say, here you go, we're going to put you on the map and people are going to start coming to spend their Bitcoin. So the more you know places we get on the map and uh, business owners just getting a feel for how easy it is, then word starts to spread. And that's what we want to really see is a lot more businesses accepting Bitcoin directly so that people can go in and pay with Lightning. Uh, we think our service is one of the easiest and cheapest to, to do that with. But ultimately, you know, Bitcoin adoption is the goal here. Yeah. Yeah. Cole, you got something to uh, toss in? And uh, yeah, last words. I would say thank you so much for your time, Guy. I really appreciate this podcast. Highly value yeah, this yeah, experience. Sure. And we are just yeah yeah talk to your your local business that you think would be a good fit or even just talk to someone that you're that you frequent talk to a business owner that you frequent um regularly where you're spending fiat reach out to me or adam on all of our social medias with, for tips and pointers people reach out to me regularly and they ask me say hey cool what do you say with this and kind of similar questions that you're asking to guy and people dm me and i just answer those questions never hesitate to ask me or Adam questions about what's working for us. We do a, the bounty program really helps as well, where we give you a million cents. If you sign up a business on the list of qualifying businesses. Oh, whoa. Oh, sweet. Bounties. Didn't even know yeah, about we that. didn't mention that. I don't think it's quite awesome. Rush bounties. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll have the link to that. Let me, Oh, you already, you just gave it to me. Sweet. Okay. I'm going to copy that. I'm going to have that in the show notes as well so that people can check that out. Me and I, bounties. Like, like 10 years from now. 10 years from go, now. Oh, pizza by the slice. I like yeah. it. Yeah, 10 years from now, me and Adam are going to be like, <laughs> wow, we were so generous. We gave that person $10,000. We are the most generous people in the world, right? That's what we're going to say 10 years, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I keep, I keep saying like my thousand sat zaps on Noster are going to be like 
a day's worth of a salary to somebody one day. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. This was this was really awesome. I'm I'm really stoked about this. Just I didn't even realize that. I mean, I knew it was open source, and I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, Adam, that perspective I think is really really cool, and I I have a lot of respect for that. Is the idea of building it? You know, this was it. Like this is one of the things that like Satoshi that like so many of the people who were so important to the foundation of this entire ecosystem was and I, and I think this is like a major ethos that makes a bitcoiner really a bitcoiner is that you would build something so that it kept working even when you were gone you know what i mean and yeah. uh, i just gotta say hats off to that that you know you stay you stay running with that theme or that uh uh i guess that principle behind what you're doing that's the goal. It's not there yet. I need to make it, sure. like I was sure. saying, easier for people to spin up on their own and document it better. But that's that's where I'm heading with it. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, um, I will have the links to all this good stuff so people can check it out. Um, tinker with it. GitHub page, the Coinos page, the Bounties page, the Noster, the Noster Impubs. Uh, uh, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this was this was a good one. Thanks. Thanks for having us, guys.